Hello Vineyard. Hey guys, welcome to Hello Vineyard, season two, episode two. Vineyard, Hello Vineyard 2.0. Yeah, we're still not, yeah, whatever. Anyway, uh, in case you're tuning in for the first time to season two, we've changed up our Wednesday night podcast to combine our former Vine Press podcast that we did on Tuesdays in our Wednesday evening podcast. Uh, it's all one show now, one podcast, so you can spend more time doing the things you love. And uh, Unless this is what you love to unless do. Unless this is what you love, and watching then us. Have, then you'll actually have less time. You will have less of that. <laughs> so it's really all about perspective here. Really. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so the Vine Press segment of the show, podcast, if you will, uh, we take in questions from anybody, and we have uh, some students that are in the Bible Institute that ask questions. There's also some church attendees. Uh, anyone is welcome to ask. You can go to vinepress.com. You can find the Vine Press on the church website, and you can send in questions from uh, Sunday Sermon uh, to be answered in this podcast. And then after that, we will do the Hello Vineyard segment of the show where we talk about some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, what we're doing this weekend, what some of our plans are coming up. So uh, that's the show. That's that. And uh, before we say goodbye, let's do the show. So we have a few questions here that I have on a paper. It's too early to say goodbye right now. <laughs> now that we've talked about what we're going to do, goodbye, Vineyard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, no, just kidding. So, uh, Dad, first question we have for our Vine Press segment of the show. Why does God soften some hearts and harden others? Okay, so a very interesting question and... Uh, what I think is that because of the, some of the stuff I've been talking about, we were back in the Exodus last week. Um, we're probably looking at Pharaoh here, talking about Pharaoh, because the scripture says that um, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And, and so what was going on there, and is that reasonable, and, and uh, what's the process? And so, you know, with Pharaoh, first off, let's remember that Pharaoh was not a nice dude, just kind of hanging out. Uh, he was a brutal dictator. Uh, he... Um, if it wasn't him that ordered the murder, uh, you know, it wasn't him, but uh, of, of babies, um, you know, during uh, uh, just Moses' time or just before, you know, when Moses was spared, it was either him or his predecessor. Uh, uh, so you got a horrible person oppressing the people of God into slavery. So first off, let's start with that's the slate. Secondly, the scripture also says um, that Pharaoh hardened his heart all by himself against God in, in at least a couple of places. Uh, I was looking at this um, in, uh, in Exodus 8.15. When Pharaoh saw that there was uh, relief, he hardened his heart. Uh, and then Exodus 8.32. Uh, but this time uh, also Pharaoh hardened his heart. So it looks like not only was, you know, Pharaoh was in that direction first, the, whatever God was doing. And I think that's really the issue. Pharaoh thought he was God as well. So you have a lot of things going into this. And I think when, when people sometimes put themselves in a position where they have basically said no, I mean like a hard no to God, their hearts are hardened and, and that's a difficult spot. I also think there's opportunities for them to repent, just uh, that it's not impossible for, for them to repent. And that, that's still sort of in the works. But, um, but if you, because like the other thought would be with the Pharisees, who ultimately many of them, so the, the thing about the Pharisees is they, there was a lot of them that thought Jesus was from God, but they just didn't like the package. So they absolutely hardened their hearts against them. And God sort of, you know, just kind of went with, with that whole thing. It was a, it's a rejection of God is what it is. And when, when you reject God outright, there's that hardening that happens. 
So it's all I, about I, the obedience and the repentance, right? And humility. Humility. And, and well, that the, would be part of the. Yeah. You know, I, I, both of those. All that is in there, and so. Um, those are the things that are kind of apparent to me with, with Pharaoh. But I, I do think it's important to see that he was certainly the hardening of the heart. He had, a, he had a big hand in that. And so I think more than anything, God sort of, you know, he used it. God often uses things that are in there and, um, and for, for different purposes that are bigger than we understand. And so that's a pretty big deal uh, about what happened. But that's a really good question. Great question. I almost brought up um, Lot's wife, because yeah. th- didn't she, like, turn around, and God's like, don't look back, and then she looked back, and, you know, her heart didn't necessarily get hardened, but it did get turned into salt, yeah, along yeah. with everything else. Yeah, I so, I, I think, you know, just listening to God, and like you said, you know, being humble and repenting when we're wrong is how we get our hearts softened, yeah. and it's really comes down to our choice when our hearts get hardened. And, you know, sometimes it's really good. This whole thing with Pharaoh comes up again in Romans 9. And, um, you know, and a lot of people struggle with with uh, this passage, uh, verse 17. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, uh, I raised you up for this very purpose that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore... God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. And so people go, whoa. You know, God... So God doesn't, uh, he doesn't owe us anything. All of us have sinned. All of us have basically said to God, oh, we don't want you. And, and that's, what, that's what it looks like from the very beginning. We've been talking about this at church. He, you know, he, God's heart is to dwell with us and to partner with us and to walk with us. That's the heart of God. We're the ones who always go, no, 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 yeah. no, no. And all of us have done it over and over and over and over again. No, no, no. And then, then we, when, when something like that happens, we read, well, that doesn't seem right or fair. Uh, and uh, it, it's, like, it's like this. Like some people get upset. In the scripture, it looks very clear to me that Jesus is the only way to back into relationship with God. He's the, ma- the way that made happen. And, and when you know the whole story, you can see what he's done. And that, like last week, if you were listening, that, that God amazingly takes evil of all times and, and draws it to one place in Jesus. It, it, we're fully God, the representative Israel, comes and takes it all on and deals with it. And, and, and then, you know... Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And people go, well, that seems a little, you know, narrow, that Jesus is the only way. And I want to go, wait a minute, wait. We're, we're there so is a fortunate way. that, that yeah. there's a way at all. We don't deserve a way. We didn't earn a way. We, we got nothing. And so, you, you know, you're, uh, somehow our thinking of what is, you know, what justice looks like and everything gets all messed up because we have um, trouble taking in the impact of sin. And what it means, oh, well, you know, I'm still a pretty good person. Oh, yeah, I do what I want to do sometimes. But, you know, overall, and that's not how it works. And then we try and sort of push that off on God. Well, that doesn't seem fair. But the reality is God has made a way, and God wants to fellowship with people who love him. That's the whole thing. Because I had another question. It was a good question earlier in the week. You know, why why did, uh, if God knew everything, why did he put the tree in the garden? Why did he, you know, why did he even... Because he only wants to fellowship with people who want to fellowship with him, right? He, he wants to walk with people who choose to say, no, no, I want to walk with you. Not, I don't want to walk with you only because I have to, because that's not the kind of relationship he's looking for. So anyway, that's a great question. Good job. Excellent. All right. Time for the, the next question. 
Uh, this is a good one, too. Who were the Pharisees and what set them apart from the Sadducees and the scribes? Great. Yes, good. So the Pharisees were a fascinating group, really. Uh, and it's easy to just kind of dismiss them in the scripture as being... But they started with the right reasons. So a couple of hundred years before Christ, um, they really sort of banded together as a group to protect uh, Torah. Because the Greeks... Uh, uh, that sounds bad when I say it. Like, that's how they read it in Scripture, all right? But the, the, the Greek culture at that time was overtaking the word, the, the every world. Everything was being Hellenized. That's what that means. Helen, the Hellenists were Greek. Okay. So um, the, they were worried. I have to use hands or I can't talk. They were worried that um, Torah was going to be taken sort of uh, out. Uh, and, and that it was going to be changed by, by this process with the Greek culture. And so they banded together to protect it. And so initially, I think they had a good focus. But then to protect it, they kept making more rules and more rules and more rules and more rules. And, and suddenly you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rules about what this looks like. And they got off track. Well, they also became very popular in, in sort of the, the ruling situation. And, and so it was a big thing to be a Pharisee. It was a good position to have. And they had a deal worked out with Rome. And they had some pretty good stuff in place. Well, when Jesus comes along and he, he starts shaking things up, I was saying this. You know, a lot of them knew that, that, that he had to be God but didn't want to, didn't want to deal with what the fallout was going to be. And so they, they plot to kill him. Now, the Pharisees as a group... What makes them different than the Sadducees, and you're going to know the answer to this, yeah. is the Pharisees believe in the resurrection. They, they believe that in a physical bodily res- resurrection. And the, the Sadducees, Sadducees didn't. don't. And, and that's why they're sad, you see. Very good. Yeah, so that's how you remember the difference. And uh, so he's done that since he was little. Well, sure. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, I saw that. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's where he's going, and yeah. I knew you were going to say it. It's like uh, your baptism talk. Same yeah. baptism talk every single time. <laughs> Speaking of baptisms, we do have a baptism coming up. Oh, yeah. October 3rd. October 3rd. And that's going to be 9 to 10 at Bay of Honda. So Very good. you want to be a part of that, you'll hear his classic baptism uh, you talk. Will. I'm not going to say it now. Good. And the scribes, but, or the other question, the scribes are just the, the, the interpreters of the law, like the readers of the law. You know, like so the, the, the Torah, the law. And, and then you had the scribes who kind of said, this is what that all means. And scribes could have been Pharisees or Sadducees. So... It goes either way. Great. Excellent question. Thank you for that one, whoever sent it in. Uh, next question. Sometimes it seems that our mindset changes immediately, and we are able to accept God's truth readily. And other times it seems to take a lifetime for us to be able to partner with him to change our mindset. Why do you think that that is? <sighs> because um, we can be a little stubborn. Uh, I, I suppose I shouldn't speak for everybody, but... Well, no, I, I think you and I can both be very stubborn. Oh, yeah. But we really try to limit our arguments here. But, yeah. you know, if I have something that I'm dead set on, you know what I'm going to try to do? I'm going to try to do it the way I want to do it. Yes. And, yes. I, you know, I think you're the same way. It's, yeah. you know, we're... The, the big difference between us would be uh, I'm usually right. Well... But still, there's... there's... <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm expecting you to figure that out. No, I please. I, I make it. I make a joke. Um, yeah, you know, we. Uh, there are some things that I think just catch us just right, and that we're really easily, readily able to accept. Even and we go absolutely. 
And then there's those other things in us that just take a while. Um, you know, some things, I feel like those immediate changes usually happen when we have an encounter with the Spirit at some point. Whereas the things that may, say, take a longer time are like maybe more core stuff that we need to process through a little bit more. So I, I think it's really... Would you say it's situational to a degree? Like, it's just going to be some things will be like that, other things will be like that. And I think it's just what kind of issue are we talking about, you know? Yeah, some, you know, but I uh, also, I think we can cooperate and speed things along and that we don't always cooperate. And that's, you know, because we got pride issues and we, we don't, we like to be right. We don't like to be told when we're wrong. God is merciful to us in that he gives us opportunities to work on those things. I often... um I say to people, so sometimes when something happens, there's tender mercy. Like in my own life, I know that I've gotten tender mercy about some things, you know, which was really, it was apparent I needed to make a shift in my thinking. And if I ignore it, I get, I get something else. It's still mercy, but I call it severe mercy. That severe mercy is, okay, now I'm changing, and now there's a whole lot of other stuff that goes with it. There's usually some, you know... Um, some humility that's got there's all kinds of things that have happened you know uh, things that have that have you know this not good uh, in in the immediate that are ultimately good for my soul and my walk but if only I had responded to tender mercy I wouldn't have had to gone through some of the harder stuff I, you know I try and teach people that all the time to respond to the tender mercy I remember hearing a talk and I know who the speaker was, but uh, at the time, the song Sweetly Broken had become popular, you know, and that was a Vineyard song, Jeremy Riddle, back in the day. And, you know, it sort of sings about that more tender mercy. He's like, I never get the tender mercy. I always get the hammer and stuff. But, it, you know, knowing who the speaker was, his personality would lend itself more to the well, harder hitting. He, he's just probably, because of, he probably was getting the tender mercy, but he was missing point. it. Right. So yeah, you have to <laughs> sort of be open to it. And it'll be, you know, Holy Spirit is like that. He's always giving us little things. It's how much do we want to really sort of take it and plug it in. And um, we can be a little, like I said before, I, I want to say we're a little stubborn sometimes. And we sort of, we like doing it our way. You know, if we can sort of make it, if we can... If we could get God to agree to do it our way, oh, that's well, that's what we want. That's the perfect situation. Yes, but, uh, but that's the, not what that, that's not how it works. It's it's, not how it we works. want God to be our co-pilot. Yes, but really, He just needs to be in the cockpit, yeah, yeah. and we need to just go wherever He takes it, us. It, that, that's, but, and that's because, like, you see the old bumper stickers, like Jesus is my co-pilot, yeah, yeah, and that's uh, wrong. Yeah, put him in the other seat. He needs to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Swap seats. Yeah, swap. Get, go to the back. Yeah, that's, a, that's the follow-up to that. Change seats quickly. Change because now. You, you know, did Jesus take the wheel? Well, that was a better song, right? Well, yeah. I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't really want to quote that, but there you go. My, yeah, my, my wife, Alice, just told me that, um, speaking of Jesus, take, well, Carrie Underwood has a Christmas album coming out soon. So we're we're pretty That's, stoked. Wow. Yeah, there's probably going to be several Christmas albums. I wonder if Chris Tomlin's going to have another one. He's one of the few artists that has multiple Christmas albums. Sure. Well, he's does, you know. He's Chris Tomlin, he's you know. Chris Tomlin. So, anyway, great question. Thank you to who submitted that. Next question. Do you think King Hezekiah destroyed the bronze serpent because of people's uses of it being more of an object to worship than a reminder of who to worship? If yes, why? And if no, why? So they basically want you to answer the question and explain it. Good question. So here was the problem during Hezekiah's time is that the people were worshiping the bronze serpent instead of worshiping God. Now, you could, you could 
see, if they'd had a New Testament back then, and, and we, we were talking about what I was talking about last week, where it, it, it was sort of a type of Christ, you might have been able to make a case for uh, that that's what they were doing. But, see, God, they were never told to worship the bronze serpent. They were told to look at it. And there's a difference. You might think, oh, it's a subtle difference. No, it's a pretty significant difference. Um, they, were, they were to look at the bronze serpent just to be saved from the snake bite, not as an object of worship. And when they decided to make it an object of worship at Hezekiah's time, and they were burning incense to it and stuff, that's when Hezekiah came in and said, no, you're going to worship God. And so he destroyed it so that they wouldn't continue to do that. So, um, yeah, that's why he did it. They had uh, allowed that... Um, the, the bronze serpent to become an object of worship. And we know, you know, the law tells us, you know, the, they, they knew the, you don't worship, you know, false images. We don't, we don't worship idols. We don't do those things. We worship the one true God. So, good question. Excellent question. All right, next question. Nicodemus seemed sincere when he asked his question to Jesus. In order to help him understand salvation, Jesus used the illustration from Numbers. Is there any indication that Nicodemus became a follower of Jesus after this encounter? So, good question. Um, yeah, well, I'm going to give you my opinion, and then you can take that for what it is, okay? Because, you know, I, I, we're not sure. Here's, here's what happens, though. So, you have that encounter in John 3. And then, I think it's John 7 or John 8, the Pharisees are making a case against Jesus, and, and uh, Nicodemus kind of sticks up in his behalf and says, you know, we, we haven't even had a discussion with him about what this looks like. He should be able to sort of face these charges, you know, and talk to him about it. And they kind of accuse him. So what, are you supporting him now? Um, but the bigger thing is at the end of the Gospel of John, when uh, Jesus is on the cross, I think I mentioned this on the weekend, but Jesus has died, his body's there, and, th- and, and every, all of his disciples have taken off. Um, now they're afraid. And remember, people criticize, oh, I wouldn't have left. Oh, man, everything they thought of had just changed, right? Their whole deal was that Jesus was Messiah, who they'd been looking for, who was going to come and set everything back to the way it was with David. And, and they'd seen this power being demonstrated for three years and what he could, what he could do. And when they sent them out and, you know, it would happen through them, they were convinced that they were just went and. When he was crucified, which is how Rome dealt with all would-be messiahs, they just, oh, oops, you know, I, I, it's hard to even try and figure out where they were at. But, you know, and he, Jesus defeats death. That's what sets him apart and rises again. And he, that all had to happen. God used all that. We've been talking about that. Death had to be dealt with. And sin had to be dealt with. And Jesus deals with it. He deals with it at the cross. So life changing is that for us to even grasp now because we, we still have those issues floating around. But but they've been dealt with at the cross. That's, um, that's really, really significant. But there at the end, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus are the two who go and take Jesus' body off the cross and prepare it for burial and, and get him into the tomb. And I would, I would guess that, um, to me, that's a very public demonstration of Nicodemus' heart towards Jesus. So um, I'm thinking he got it. I, I've been saying at that point in time he just put everything out on the line there to to be publicly um, associated with the body of Jesus. So I, my thinking is that, yeah, I think he got it. But, uh, again, that's my opinion based on those things and uh, certainly some, some interesting reading and uh, a good question. We will find out someday, won't we? We will. Awesome question. Next question. This is an interesting one. 
How does atheism view religions and religious faith? Is, is atheism purely materialistic and naturalistic? Okay, so great question. Uh, and I, and I'm, uh, I'm sure atheists would uh, answer this in different ways. You know, and, and I know I shouldn't make this joke, but if I don't get it out of my head, uh, I, I won't be able to continue on with the question. Because once it pops in, I'm done. I, it's there. And, and well, let's somebody, get it out. Yeah. When somebody tells me they're an atheist, yeah. I, I like to tell them that God doesn't believe in atheists. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now it's gone. Uh, yeah, good. I'm glad. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yeah, though, right? and it's you know it's funny for us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> okay. Um, atheism is interesting. I, I wouldn't recommend spending a lot of time studying atheism unless you're using it to unless you want to know how to talk with somebody that's an atheist. Um, uh, but they're, um, atheists don't believe in, in, you know, they would say they don't believe in God or any sort of religious system. But I would submit to you that atheism is a religious system. In fact, uh, I would say that it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a believer. And so that's kind of a very challenging thing. I say that because there's a fascinating um, discussion on this by a guy named Frank Turek. And if you Google Frank Turek, uh, and I don't believe, I don't, um, I don't have enough faith to be an athe- atheist, uh, you will find some really interesting YouTube videos, and he has a great website, and he's really good at working with people and answering questions. He's an apologist, uh, and by that I mean he's, he's able to defend the faith. He's not apologizing for the faith. An apologist, Apologetic. Yeah. yeah, and he's really good. And... Uh, and so um, you, you, that's, a, that's a really good resource. Also, our friend Mike Edwards' book, I think, has some uh, discussions on this in there as well, uh, which is, uh, you know, gravity, true for you, but not for me. Um, he might answer some of those questions, too. Um, and, and so Mike Edwards' book is available on, on at, at Amazon free. Uh, it's a download. And the Turek stuff, I think all the YouTube videos are free. But you could follow that up there, and uh, you might, if you're if you're having to sort of interact with atheists a lot, um, you may want to have some of that knowledge. Although I think ultimately the best thing that we have with those, like with everybody else, is just kindness and sort of working through that. And a lot of people will tell you that stuff just to shock you. They're not that firmly attached to it, uh, and so you know it's just kind of to put you off if they know that you're a Christian. Well, I'm an atheist, and they think that will cause you to leave them alone and and then another really interesting thing on this particular i just i watched a video this not long ago it's the guy who uh, kirk cameron works with now the evangelist apologist i can't think of his name but he does a whole thing about atheism and it's really good and he actually has these films where he's talking to people who say to be atheists who can't continue to say they're atheists at the end of it hmm. by him asking him them a series of not really hard questions uh, it has to do with him. He hands them a completed book that's filled with pictures, and he and he says he says, okay, this book can can it just happen out of nothing? Can this book just automatically be? And of course not. It can't. It has to be all these things that happen. And then he starts talking about DNA. I'm not going to do his argument justice. And he says that they figure DNA out. The way DNA is recorded, it's like chapters of books, really big books, and it's fascinating. And there's no way it can just happen. There has to be creation behind it. There has to be a designer behind it. Has to be, and and they uh, they believe that they as, just because it, they have to. And then all of a sudden, they can't hang on to that idea of atheism anymore. That there's no creator. It really shakes it. Now they might stick to it, 
but but it sure. does make him question. But anyway, some great research out there, and uh, I would uh, I'm not a, a, a great uh, you know apologist. Uh, I can't I can't hold on to the information. The, the apologists amaze me about how much data they can get a hold of quickly, and I just can't. You know, I've got some verses and stuff, and I got the core stuff, but it's just not that way for me. So you may want to check with one of them. Awesome. Thank you for that question. Uh, we got two more questions on the page uh, for our Vine Press segment of the podcast. Uh, this question says, you gave an example of where you're still stuck, but you mentioned being grateful for places you're not stuck anymore. Can you give us an example of one of those things where you're not stuck and have had breakthrough? Sure. So there's been lots of them. How about if I give you one of the early ones? Um, so when I... Uh, first came to Christ, 1985, I was 25, and I had a pretty serious addiction to cocaine. And um, I, now that's a long time ago now, so it's even it's weird sort of talking about and trying to remember that I was at, but it, it was not good, it was bad. And um, when I gave my life to Jesus, that, um, that was lifted off of me overnight. That desire, that compulsion, that addiction, whatever you want to call it, um, that was gone overnight. It, and it was never an issue again. Never. And I know that's not everybody's situation with addictions. That was my situation with that one. Um, and, and yet other things, have, you know, take time to overcome. Uh, and, you know, and so I, 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 don't, I don't want to get into all of them because I don't want to push somebody else's buttons about other things they're going through. Um, but but uh, over time, he has consistently dealt with me on, on issues, uh, and he continues to. You know, we were teasing. Um, I, I, I can be way more stubborn. than, than Sarcasm. I, I would like to be. Sarcasm is a big one. <laughs> and I have, fortunately, God has really um, changed me in um, being sarcastic. I used to really be sarcastic. Can I those? He, he used to do this thing, just kind of teasing him a little bit. Where he talked to me like this, where, oh, God, I can't see with these. The glasses would be down, and you would just be explaining something to me very passionately. He would do this a lot. So he doesn't do that as much. But that was always intimidating when he had the glasses down. Like, really? Really? You're going to, you know. Oh, oh, sorry. Well, I didn't mean to be intimidating. <laughs> I, just, I think it's just because you're my old man kind of deal. Yeah, well, less, less sarcastic. Like, yeah, but I get it. Yeah, and, and anyway, I, I think that God softens us over time, uh, and I'm grateful for that. And um, that just, you know, I, I'm grateful that he continues to work in me. And that there are things he continues to change. And that, you know, I, I'm well aware of the fact that I haven't arrived. And so I'm, I'm not standing there. Now, there have been some significant changes in my life, um, and there are some to go, I hope. I'm hoping over my, my next run, you know, if I'm 60. So let's say I'm just entering the fourth quarter. I hope it's a real long fourth quarter, maybe a little overtime. And, uh, um, but that God continues to teach and, 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 you know, show me and instruct, and I continue to learn and, and follow after him that way. So um, there are those things. And I think, again, it's us cooperating with him that... He faithful, he's faithful to, I think, keep bringing things up for us to work on. And if we don't really work on them, they'll come around again in another way. And we'll have to, you know, it's like, well, I, I, I sort of didn't work on that last time. I should this time. And, and so, good. Awesome. All right, one more question. In listening to you talk about dying with Jesus and consequently living the resurrected life with him right here and now, 
I was thinking about the miraculous things Jesus did in his more real body and struck with the thought, do we now have access to that resurrection body that's more real than this mortal realm? Have you heard of or witnessed believers having similar experiences in our modern times? Because, whoa. Yeah. No, good question. And I, and I, uh, that would be great if that were, that were going to be part of the situation now. But that's not. That's a future one. Um, so, you know, there's those promises in Revelation where we're going to have, when, when all these things happen, then there's no more fear and there's no more pain and there's no more sorrow and there's all those things. Um, that's part of that is because we're, you know, every, there's no more evil and we're in new physical bodies. Until then, we're not. Jesus was the firstborn. He got the first one. And um, the rest of us get ours when, when he, he comes back. Um, however, having said that, being eternal beings... Um, in mortal bodies in the present, what we do have is the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And the Holy Spirit is able to do amazing and miraculous things. Holy Spirit, fully God. And I think there are situations where He enables and empowers us to do things beyond what we might be able to do without Him helping us. I I fully believe that in lots of ways, uh, you know, spiritually, certainly, but even physically. And so we have an access to a power, um, but, but not that completely resurrected body yet. But um, does that access uh, open some things up to us? I'm, I'm sure it does. Uh, you know, there's a... Jesus' body, his new body, is comfortable going between heaven and earth. Uh, and, um, and so, uh, you know, I think that's pretty cool. And then in the spirit, perhaps, there are people who, like Paul, apparently had some sort of visitation, you know, in the spirit realm in heaven. You know what? Don't think of heaven as a million miles away. They're overlap. He had some sort of place where he, he was able to connect in a, in a big way, and he saw some things and stuff that happened there. And, and um, so, you know, was he, was he physically there, or was he just spiritually there? I'm not sure, but something happened. And, you know, uh, we get those little touches where sometimes it feels like we've joined in to what's going around the throne. And so are we physically there or just spiritually there? I don't know. Some sort of uh, connection to both. But great question. And um, yes, the, the main thing that we have now, the, the, the blessing that we have is Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And, and so that's a huge, huge and deal. You kind of touched on it. That's the tension of the now mm-hmm. and the not yet. Yeah. So we're, we're somewhere... In there, yeah. right? So You're in between now and yeah. not yet. Great question. All right. So now that was our Vine Press segment. Again, just a quick reminder: you can go to the church's website. You click the Vine Press link. You can submit questions on next Sunday's sermon. Uh, obviously, can't do that ahead of time. And this week's sermon has now been answered. But uh, you can save it in your bookmarks for next week and do that. And we will do our best to answer that. So uh, now we move into the the behind the scenes part. And this part doesn't take as long, but uh, (laughs) especially this time of year when there's not as much going on. But uh, what you've been up to work wise, you got anything extra waiting in the wings? Uh, You know, we've uh, October, we'll start getting more things running here at the church again. So we've been spending some energies on that, like uh, we're doing a baptism and we're doing a newcomer's lunch on the 4th. That's if uh, for anybody that just started to come to the vineyard that wants to get to know us a little better. Uh, So we'll start putting those in on a monthly basis. We're planning a a big candy giveaway and costume drive through costume contest for the end of October. 
We're also trying to do a movie night, too. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Georgina's working on the license for that today. Yeah, Hopefully I, she's got I, it. I think that'll be on the 23rd. And then the uh, the drive through will be on the 30th. 30th. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. so, yeah, we, we start doing movie nights again, like maybe once a month to get started. Just, you know, s- slowly trying to bring things back. I think the next um, midweek big meeting that we'll have will be uh, Christmas Eve. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll do candlelight services. At least we'll hope it'll be big. Well, you know what I mean. As far as a big <laughs> event, but yeah. well, you know, everything's a little smaller now. I don't right. mean, but, but we'll do three services to keep yeah. things spread out. But, I mean, as far as a big sort of, you know, event kind of thing, Christmas Eve candlelight service is a big event. And then um, we've got, uh, um, we, we talked about um, in th- just before Thanksgiving, that weekend before, uh, we'll probably do another drive through giveaway. And we're, we we're already partnering with Chef Matt down at Southernmost to do a, a pumpkin bread pudding. Pumpkin bread pudding. And so, uh, just so I, I need to clear it up. So it's, we're going to take regular bread and add the pumpkin filling. We're not going to make pumpkin bread and then that turn that be, into pudding. That would be really difficult. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're going we're gonna to make regular bread. We're going to take regular bread. That bread you're going to get that we're going to give you in chunks, you know, because you've got to use kind of, it's got to be dry a little bit, along with pumpkin filling and then everything else that Chef Matt uses to make what, what is apparently an amazing um, thing, pumpkin bread pudding. I am going to miss the uh, the Night of Thanks event. That's, you know, unfortunately with everything going on, there's no way we could really do that event uh, with the current uh, restrictions in place. But Christmas Eve we should be able to because that's a non-food event. And, you know, we are doing three of those seatings. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, those were – the Night of Thanks was always in the middle of those three really fun events for, you know, my team and I. Yeah. Uh, the, the Fall Fest, which has been – you know, substituted with this drive-through thing, which you know, the bright side, way less work, way less cleanup. Yeah. <laughs> but but you know, it's just like, oh man. So, uh, yeah, we're definitely looking forward to Christmas Eve. It's already weird. We're talking about Christmas Eve. We had a conversation yesterday. You were driving to Miami, and on the way to Miami, you and Mom were listening to Christmas music. It's September. It's the middle of September, 2020. And I think a in jingle a year, all the way. Listen, in a year like this, you sort of need, you Christmas, need a little Christmas a little sooner. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. I think it's. Uh, I, I'm still waiting. My family puts up the Christmas tree on Halloween because you know we don't really like doing the whole trick or treating thing. So you know we sort of celebrate Christmas on Halloween, and you know the kids always have candy too. I think that's a yeah. that's a fun thing for the kids. But um. Yeah. Well, we went to Costco, and Costco had Christmas trees up already, <laughs> and a whole bunch of Christmas decorations out and about. I wonder if Home Depot has them yet. Probably uh, not. We were I, there a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't. Not yeah. this one. I, didn't I, see I was there last week, and they had the Halloween stuff out. So, But, yeah, Christmas is, you know, Christmas decoration. We, we, you know, we share that nostalgia towards yeah, yeah, yeah. Christmas decorations. How about you? What's, uh, what's coming up? What's, uh, what's on the plan for worship this week? Yeah, so worship set. Looking forward to it. Uh, we're starting off with The Father's House. That's a new song by Corey Asbury. been written in the, the last year. Pastor Billy's leading that for us. Uh, another Bethel song we're doing, Stand in Your Love. It's a classic song. And actually, Pastor Barry's joining us this weekend. He'll be leading that one. Oh, good. So that'll be fun. Uh, my wife, Kim, is leading the song Famous For by uh, Taryn Wells and Jen Johnson. And then uh, Angie's doing the one she did a couple weeks ago called Stones by Kim Walker-Smith. And we're going to tag in uh, the, the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, at the end of that. Hopefully it'll be in the, the same key and we'll make that work. And then we're ending the set with uh, the Elevation song, Rattle. 
It's that, you know, dry bones is a word. I, I, I've been noticing a lot of these newer songs coming out use dry bones mm-hmm. as a reference. And uh, my wife and I have wanted to make a little meme. There's a character in the Mario games my kid plays named Dry Bones. He's a little Koopa turtle skeleton. And his name is Dry Bones. So whenever I hear them, and, and they've been using that line. It's the same writers, and they just use that Dry Bones concept in all these songs. Dry Bones in worship music is the new water or mountain reference. If you yeah. go back a few years, worship songs had to have references to waters or mountains. Now it's references to Dry Bones. You know, and, I, and I think, though, a lot of that is that God is, that there's prophetic um, stuff in in that. And when you see these these streams of music, and I know a lot of them are connected, but even some of the ones that aren't, there's uh, these things that pop up. I think that's God, and I think that, that this is a weary season. I think that these songs were written because there's a lot of dry bones, and yet we don't lose hope because God can rise up dry bones. And, um, you know, in, in, uh, there's still churches that aren't open yet. Um, and, you know, we're blessed that we, we've been open since the beginning of May, and, 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 and yet, you know, not with the... Um, uh, a lot of people still not come in, or maybe some people have just out of the habit. We have to deal with that. But that God can just kind of blow on things, uh, and everything can be, you know, what it needs to be. And that's sort of why I like those sort of dry bone songs. Yeah. Well, we've been doing a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I've noticed that yeah. trend coming up. So, uh, your sermon this weekend is An Unshakable Foundation, part 13. Yep. Do you want to give us sort of an appetizer for that? No. No. Yeah, I can. Um, <laughs> Nope, he's done. So I, I want to. I, I need to continue to kind of press into this idea we've been talking about um, about uh, death and sin and new creation and what it means to be a new creation. And because I think I, I was talking about, but I it felt like I needed to go a little more with it, and especially that verse in Second Corinthians five seventeen uh, five. Well, we'll look at seventeen through twenty one. If you want to read ahead, you can. Um, but, but verse 21, um, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that, that idea of being the righteousness of God is about being right in being. And righteousness is a kind of funny word. We're not sure. We give it wrong meanings. But it's, a, it's an identity thing. And the enemy stole our identity, but we got it back at the cross. And now, now we can be the righteousness of God by being right in being. And so it's not about following rules. It's about understanding that... He's given us everything we need to live differently and then living that way. And it will ultimately get back to a little more of a discussion on our minds being renewed. I've been touching on that, that we need to have the mind of Christ. But I'll spend a little more time on that. That that's really um, what Holy Spirit is doing in us. Uh, one of the big things is he's getting us to start to think more like Jesus and now. And, and so um, that's a, a big part of what's happening. So that's kind of where we're heading. Looking forward to it. So, yeah, that was uh, everything on our notes. Quick word from our sponsors. The Vine Press Hello Vineyard Season 2 podcast is sponsored by... Don't you do it. Season 2 is sponsored by the Keys Vineyard Community Church. Your vineyard church in Big Pine Key. 2.0. Lots of stuff going on. You can check out the website, keysvineyard.com, to get all the links we always talk about. If you can't quite remember all the website addresses we have... This podcast is also sponsored by the Jesus Moment Bible Institute. You can log on to onlinebibleinstitute.org, sign up for classes, uh, get a free, I mean, you have to do the work, but it's no cost to you. Associates and bachelor's programs are available, so sign up for those. And, uh, we just had another graduate, uh, another bachelor. Ralph. Bachelor, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, another he one got completed, his diploma so that's, at 11, so that's awesome. We always celebrate those uh, good things, guys, good. 1,173 students. 
That's amazing, really, and from all over the world. Right, so right. we're very proud of that. Uh, we're also sponsored by the Keys Vineyard app. Uh, it is available on Apple App Store and the Google Play Store for Android users. Uh, download it if you haven't already. Use it. Give it a five-star review on whatever App Store you use. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it. So, again, I want to say thank you guys for tuning in to our podcast. If you're watching uh, Tuesday morning or Wednesday night, we're so glad you could join us. Again, you can always submit questions via VinePress at the church website. We'll be happy to answer them. And uh, I think that's all we have to say. Good. You sure? That's all you got to say? Uh, that's, yeah, I don't really, have glasses, so I can't uh, really, respond really? to that. Really? Yeah. Done? Yeah. Really? Right, I think really. We're really? done. Yeah, we're done. Goodbye, Vineyard. Thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. Thanks for watching today's service from Keys Vineyard Community Church. Make sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.